I am mining investor and editor of Resource Stock Digest, Gerardo del Real, here with my partner, Mr. Nick Hodge, who's an investor and publisher of Daily Profit Cycle. This is the 239th episode of our weekly therapy session that we like to call Investing in Bizarro World. We're going to talk about the tanking markets. We're going to talk interest rates. We're going to talk gold. We're going to talk uranium. We're going to talk government shutdowns and the madness going on politically briefly because that's really all the attention it deserves. Of course, as always, a lot going on. But before we get to it, Mr. Hodge, welcome back. We missed you last week. I appreciate you covering the, the podcast uh, on your own, Gerardo. You did a great job. It was a lithium soliloquy. I, I watched the whole thing. I, I made the notes. I marked the timestamps, as it were. Um, and so thank you for doing that. It was good to get away for a week, as you noted in the podcast, my 10th anniversary. So um, Mexico was great, and it's good to be back. What do you want to talk about? And how are you? Uh, I'm, I'm well. I'm well. Listen, I'm glad that you're back. Uh, we missed uh, the intelligent discourse. We missed the, the wittiness. We missed the charts and graphs that you specialize in. Um, it was all rant and rave last week, but it was, you know, for lack of a better word, therapeutic, but definitely glad to, to, to have you back to kind of offset um, my madness. No, look, let's get right into it. Um, I talked about tanking markets. We had a conversation about a month and a half ago where we mentioned tax loss selling season. And you mentioned to me that you had had a conversation with a gentleman that had said, well, actually, I don't think tax loss selling is going to be that pronounced this year because there's not a lot of stuff to take profits in. And um, boy, was that wrong. <laughs> not you, but him. There's definitely some liquidity drainage happening. Um, and it's, you know, a, a, a big loud sucking sound and not the good kind so let's talk on the lack of liquidity out there and how you know light volume is 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 making for pretty drastic moves downwards there's several holdings of mine um that that don't trade a ton but every twenty thousand shares it's a six percent move and those moves aren't to the upside right now so let's start with the liquidity in not just the resource space but the overall markets right now no, i'm glad you said that because uh, that's what I was going to do. I was going to say it's not just a liquidity on the, the small end of the spectrum. There's uh, liquidity issues in the, in the in the broader market indices as well. If you recall, uh, a couple of months ago when the Magnificent Seven were going up, I was uh, one of the things I was saying is that these are you know become liquidity stores unto themselves. It's one of the reasons that funds were flowing into them was because they were very liquid vehicles and um, people were worried about the needing of liquidity as the year went on. One because of the um, rolling off of of some stimulus era programs, but two, uh, because of the resumption of of student loan payments and the potential to use your word suck that that could create um, <laughs> a, a, a need for for liquidity, and and that's exactly what we're seeing here. You've got those student loans uh, resuming uh, this month. You've got a, a market that's finally realizing Jerome's not playing around, and and they think the rates now are going to be higher for longer after calling for a pivot for. Gosh, I'm losing track of time. I think it's been over a year. They wanted the, they wanted the more cowbell or whatever. Um, so they're figuring that out. And then you see um, these 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 this downward move that the the the, the stock market's seen, and, and the S and P is down six percent just in the in this month, for example. And it's come on um, low volume, and so it taking working down to the small end of the spectrum. I mean, yeah, it's the same on the TSXV. That market is down. That index, the venture portion of the TSXV, is down fifteen percent in the past six months. I was looking earlier yeah. um, on light volume, and it's you know the pain is akin to you know, that 2014-2015 period after the sell off of the 2011-2012 ish 
sort of resource boom that people are feeling it. And so um, it's the middle of October, I should add that, you know, that's typically the month for volatility and events, but it's also the time that um, businesses and high net worth individuals file their taxes. So that creates another need for liquidity. Um, I was talking to my broker this morning because I had made a couple of sales for a tax bill and and she was keen to point out that I wasn't the only one she was hearing that from, right? And so yeah. um, they're selling pressure and um, it's not even November or December yet. So uh, we'll see how this the tax falls culminates over the, the next two months. Um, we can't talk Fed hawkishness without talking about mortgage rates over 8%. We had a conversation on fair. I shared with you that I, I, I bought a place, but was looking to initially maybe take a loan out on it to just avoid taxable events, right? And I, the more the more I looked at it, the more I just stood there and shook my head. I'm not paying eight percent on a mortgage. It just doesn't. I, I don't feel right doing that. <laughs> you know, mortgages in the past are three and three and a half percent, and so mortgage rates being what they are, the ten year spiking I know has got to make a lot of funds and institutions and banks nervous because it hasn't been an orderly spike. We had whispers of an intervention from the Bank of Japan in their bond market. And of course, the dollar doesn't trade, you know, in, in isolation. It is the global reserve currency, which by meaning, by definition, means that it has serious implications when you have disorderly spikes like the one that we've been seeing. Uh, it touched the 107 level, the US dollar index did. And so thoughts on, 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 on where that goes next. And is this going to be another one of those situations that the Fed gets us into that it can then no longer get out of? Because it's starting to look that way to me. Yeah, the talk of Goldilocks and, and soft landing has, has seemingly come out of the mainstream lexicon. A couple of crystal ball questions there. Um, first, I guess, let me look back and then we'll see if we can look forward. Um, and mortgage rates are over 8% on the, on the 30 year mortgage. As you said, that's the highest in something like, I don't know, 25 or, or, or 30 years. And there's some other things that are looking like 2007. So, um, the two year yield is, is up near 5%. It's like the highest it's been since the, the global financial crisis. Um, and you've got money market funds that are yielding over 5%. So just to go back to the, the first topic of discussion, liquidity. You know, five and a quarter percent of the money market will stay attractive when you're when you're witnessing this volatility at the market and, and equity prices going down. It, um, it, I guess let me talk about that for one more second. Look at the utility sector, for example, mm. um, and, and it's selling off. Unlike where uh, I should say, like it has only in a couple other times in history, two thousand ish, two thousand seven ish, and and twenty twenty ish. This is because. It's interest rate sensitive, and as these bond yields continue to go up, you know, interest sensitive plays like real estate and utilities continue to go down, and so they're telling you that all is not um, well in the market. Uh, the bond yields are saying to the Fed that you're keeping rates higher. That's why the, the two year is is pinned up there. Um, it, we'll see. I mean, they've got to to raise rates or, or lose all credibility, considering that prices are reinflating. You've got oil still at ninety dollars. You've got um, the inflation that's likely going to hover, you know, three and a half to four percent for the next a couple of months, and you've got employment which is yet to break, and that's why I'm hesitant to look into my crystal ball because it's going to be contingent upon that, you know, labor component. But it's interesting, you know, the Joel's numbers this week showed, you know, a bunch of job openings, right? They ticked back up. It was like nine point six one million job openings, I think the number was. 
um, the highest in, in a couple of months and reverse the downtrend. But then you, you look at the wider picture, like, um, and so that said, that told the market, I should say, or the market took it to mean um, employment is still strong, the Fed is going to have to hike, and then the market has continued to sell off. Uh, employment, though, is not that strong as the, as the, as the jolts would indicate. So hey, we're going to have to see what happens here over the, the next couple of months. I'll say this. Uh, the non-FAR payrolls have been revised downward every single month so far this year. That hasn't happened since 2007. If you look at the CEO surveys, um, they don't see hiring picking up, and there's not really a lot of change in, in payrolls themselves. So, um, you know, my current call, if I have to make one, is you get another hike. You know, that might not be until next year, given what the stock market's done uh, so far this month. It might make the Fed shy away from a hike in November, but uh, the odds tick up as you get into 24, uh, 2024, of another hike, and then, you know, uh, this thing keeps getting pushed out here until later in 2024 when, when things finally start to break on the back of that other hike. So are they back to a quarter? I'm not sure, man. You know, uh, I'm old enough now to have seen a, a lot of quarters and, uh, and a lot of cans get kicked down the road. So when I see things like, you know, uh, that are, you know, pinned all the way to one side, like uh, what happened this week, we're now spending more on the interest than on the, on the, the, the defense budget. It's like, yeah, okay. But what is that besides the headline? Like, We'll maybe wait and see until something breaks. So um, I get that that's big. I get that deficits matter, but um, um, I, I guess I, 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 as I'm not sure, I, I take the market more as it comes to me and stop trying to tell it what to do. Um, speaking of telling it what to do, gold after looking beautifully, you know, technically for maybe six or seven months, right, <laughs> holding that 1874 mark pretty, pretty well broke through that while you were gone last week it's down now to 1820 as we speak um i I shared my thoughts last week i'd love to hear yours you are more the chartist than i am i actually meant to get there i wrote gold after buying you (laughs) i'll stop talking because it would have been the perfect segue because gold is now submitted right we were saying that it was holding up well in the face of a strong dollar yep uh and in the face of rising panios and and as you just noted that broke down so it's right at the precipice, you know. It needs to hold essentially 1814, 1815 to remain, um, you know, in a bull market. I would say, and I've been content to buy the dips so far. Bought a bit more revival gold. I was writing um, either last week or the week before in the in the weekly letter. Um, and I guess pound the chest for a little bit. I told you to sell the rip in in, in August when it was back up to 1960, and um, yep, that was the that's the second half of buy the dip, right? Is sell the rip, so. And we did that with Artemis and then uh, bought this most recent dip with um, Revival just on the speculative side. So and if it breaks down, like I say, much below uh, 1814, 1815, then, then trouble ahead, 1700, 1600, handle perhaps. Um, but again, crystal ball question. And so far, it, it's held okay. It was a last check before we started recording back in the 1820s. So um, step by step, day by day. Gold stocks. Base metal stocks, critical metal stocks, uh, lithium stocks, if you want to separate that. What What is the most appealing speculation to you? Or, or a couple of names. This will be the freebie part of the uh, get your money's worth part of the podcast. But what looks damn attractive to you at current prices out there? Give me a time frame. Um, you can hold it for the next 12 months. Oh, for 12 months. I mean... There's some really oversold copper names. I'm not sure what copper is going to do. It's down to 350. I've been telling you it was going to be comfortable yeah. at 350. 
when I look at names like, I know you've been talking about Hannon and even Cucho Copper, but yeah. even the bigger ones, like I look at Southern Copper and, and BHP, those have, those have had a rough go. So um, not that you want to step in there and catch a falling knife, but at some of the levels on these equities, I'm seeing a quality copper speculations. I'd be content to buy them here and hold it for 12 months, I think. I, I love the comment that you just made, Nick. You you asked, um, how long am I holding it, right? I think that's a, a perfect segue before I answer the question. Um, as a speculator, folks, you have to give yourself the luxury of knowing how long you plan on putting the trade on or how long you're willing to let the thesis play out, right? Patriot's a great example. I know what I own, so yes, I'd rather see a higher share price, but um, I know what I own. I'm, I'm, I'm holding the bulk of that until, until the end game, right? Um, that's very different than a lottery ticket. That's a, a, a drill hole play, right? And then to that, I got to highlight Nevada King, which had a 108.3 meter hit of 11.64 grams per ton gold in, in, in a tough resource market. It's worth noting the stuff that's working. I'm not biased on that one. I'm not a shareholder. It's not a recommendation in any of the letters, but kudos to that team for a heck of a hit there. Back, back to your question. Um, know what you're holding and know how long you're holding it for. If we're talking one year, I really like Alderbaran, right? They just secured 20 and a half million from a strategic. They have multiple strategics that'll likely take them out at some point. They have a huge copper gold resource. They just had some phenomenal numbers, 600 meters of, you know, 0.5 uh, grams per ton copper percentage, uh, copper equivalent, and something like 379 meters of 0.7% copper equivalent. So, um, I think Alderbron gets taken out at much higher prices. Uh, I don't see it happening anything less than half a billion dollars. Market cap right now, I believe, is somewhere around the $100 million mark. So, you know, in, in the next 12 to 18 months, I could see that giving you a three to four-fold return easily in a better copper market. If we see copper do what I think it's going to do um, and then and, and run to $5 in the next 12 to 18 months, that, that multiple obviously gets kicked up quite a bit. So I like Alderbron if we're talking one year. We're talking two to five. Hannon. I mean, look, I have millions of Hannon shares. I'm biased. It's it's uh, you know, it, it's my horse in the race, uh, kind of like Patriot is in the lithium space. Hannon is that to me in the copper space because I think what they have in Peru is really unique, really special. I think there's gonna gonna be multiple company making discoveries on that land. And the only thing, you know, as 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 uh, CEO Michael Hudson. Uh, uh, keep saying the only thing that can stop that from becoming, you know, a, a, a five, $10 stock in my mind is, is Peru and, and, and the permitting process and the amount of time that it takes to work through some of the red tape that the country has increased over the past, you know, 12 months with all the political upheaval that's gone on there. But if you're patient and you're willing to hold that for a couple of years and you're willing to I don't mind holding it because after a year, it becomes a long-term gain versus a short-term gain when it comes time to do taxes, right? So you want to try to mitigate as many of those short-term gains as possible. So do I mind holding it for a year, waiting for a permit to come? Uh, no, I don't mind one bit as long as what I think is going to happen there happens because if that's the case, you know, my 20, 25 cent shares are going to be 5 and $10 shares in very short order. And that would, of course, put a smile on my face and subscribers' faces. Um but you got to have the patience for that. You have to be able to be bored a little bit and let that thesis play out, or you buy in at higher prices. That's the uh, that's the offset. You got to ask yourself that question. So, um, yeah, those are two that I like right now. Um, did I answer your question? 
yeah, I'm a fan of I'm a fan of both those as as well. And and yeah, kudos to Nevada King. Colin Kittles had a heck of a run, not just with that company, but with Newfound Gold as well. And so um serially successful people being seriously serially successful. Paul Mantizic is on the board of uh, that Nevada King and and I'm obviously a bias shareholder about it. Um, which is back to drilling, by the way. It just plowed the roads in, and uh, you know, reading the, the news release between the lines is they're formally referring to Altar Central at least as Altar United now, and saying that this current campaign is going to sort of you know give it a really good indication of, yeah. of the extent of the mineralization there. So um, it's, it's, it's like, huge. It's yeah. huge. It's huge. Some of the smartest people tell me it's so huge. It's, it's a little awkward. It's big. You can't wrap your head around how big this is. Oh, man. Uh, we might get four more years of it. It's going to be very interesting. And then, yeah, of course, and I'm a shareholder as well. So what else you want to talk about? Politics. I love it. Let, let, let's switch gears. Uh, the Donald popped in my brain just because of all the madness. Look, I, again, guys, I, I, I have no dog in the political fight. I think uh, we're due for a cleansing, right? I think, um, you know, speaking to the fourth turning, as we often do on this podcast. I finally started reading it on vacation, by the way. So it's great. Preach, brother Nick. Talk to us. What, what what's to come? I, I don't think it matters whether it's uh, and, and let me let me qualify that. I don't think in the long term it changes the narrative of the cycle that we're in. It does have consequences, obviously, for you know policy and rhetoric and and all of that. So I don't mean to mitigate you know what a Trump presidency or a Michelle Obama presidency or a Kamala Harris presidency uh, would 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 translate into it it. They, they each obviously all they all come with baggage is my point i don't have a horse in the race but um it, it's interesting times what's the, the 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 intro to the book i haven't started yet because i'm finishing my um homo deus book and, and i'm almost done with that so i'm wrapping that one up which is a phenomenal read by the way folks so the intro is sort of an outline of the book which i, I actually like and it it says that it gives away some stuff basically he's talking about the a culmination or a big event around 2030 and then an ending of the fourth turn around 2023. Um, so that's like the main prediction of the book and that uh, the first half spends the time looking back, sort of as I was just saying, and looking back so we can look forward, looking at the generations again, et cetera. Um, basically a recap of the first fourth turning book and the second half, which I'm not to yet, is what this turning is going to feel like and look like for each of the generations that are living through it. So I almost skipped ahead to the second part because that's the part that interests me. Um, I figure I'll read the whole thing through. But um, 2023, it, it sounds like for the uh, bookend on this returning, which is interesting. 2023 or 2023? I'm oh, sorry, 33. Okay, okay. Well, I thought so. And I thought I misheard the first time, but then you no, said it again. No, I'm, I'm so misspeaking. Like, okay. Yeah, a big event in... in 2030 and then a culmination in 2033 so that's two more presidential cycles uh wait yeah i mean that's uh that's out there yeah so listen the only reason that that, that the trumpster came to mind is because if, if if anyone wants to you know speculate as to why i'm so agnostic politically look at the shit show we have going on right now right the democrats ousted the speaker no actually the democrats did it the republicans ousted their own speaker <laughs> Feinstein oh. died. Yeah, Feinstein the died. Right. She still hasn't Austin. resigned. By the way, she still hasn't resigned, but she's passed. <laughs> Condolences to her family. But the state of our political discourse and scene right now is an absolute sham, folks. And again, if there's one thing you take away from my commentary, 
is don't get yourself hurt, arrested, or killed over politicians that do not care about you. It's not that serious. You can cast your ballot. You can have your opinions. You can voice those opinions passionately. I respect all opinions um, that, that 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 are expressed, you know, respectfully and civilly, obviously. But don't 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 get out in the streets and and, and ruin your lives, people. There was a gentleman in Wisconsin that was arrested um, for threatening to go shoot up a, a Wisconsin lawmaker. He went to the Capitol building, got himself arrested, posted bail, went and got his rifle, and went right back and. And, and and went to go finish it up and then got himself arrested again. And so that guy is, I mean, that's a federal crime. You're probably going to look at five to 10 years on something like that because of the intent. What are you, what is worth serving five to 10 years for? Well, I mean, I can't answer for that gentleman. <laughs> We've seen obviously a spate of, of political violence, you know, whether it's Pelosi and the hammer or a BLM to the looting to Kenosha. I mean, there's a long, there's a long list, right? And sadly and unfortunately, um, that is part of a fourth turning, right? Yeah. Um, well, it has to be shed, and even as far back as the, the Patriots, right? Uh, um, blood has to be shed to to refresh the tree of liberty. Is that right, Gerardo? So that is correct. One of my favorite uh, sayings. And the book talks about that a little bit, saying that um, what's at stake is so great over the next ten years that people sense what's at stake and they want sure. their values because. What happens is um, people get awakened, they get disenfranchised with the institution and the processes, they want to tear it down, and then they want to build the institutions back up. And people now realize that that's going to happen, whether it's conscious or subconscious. But the reason, you ask why, I don't understand why people do that, they can sense that what's at stake is so great that they're willing to text, commit violence or die or whatever it is. To ensure that their tribe's values get applied to that rebuilding is essentially what the book is saying. Yeah, and, and and I guess my point is that 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 to me requires a belief that the elected officials of the party that you're loyal to are actually going to act on your behalf. And if 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 you have that faith in in, in your local or your national politician of choice. Kudos to you. I just don't share in that, right? Um, I, I I saw for four years, and look, I, I disagreed with a lot of Trump's policy, and there was some of it that I, I really agreed on. Um, but where I disagreed, we had pretty sharp breaks in philosophies. And one of the most contentious issues was around the wall. I thought it was rhetoric, and I thought it was rhetoric because it's ineffective, not because we don't have an immigration problem, but because there 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 there, there are better solutions to address our immigration problem like actually passing comprehensive immigration policy and coupling coupling that with smart law enforcement, right? That's targeted. Building a wall to me seems like such an antiquated solution that is really meant just to rally the base. So the people that criticized Trump the, for years on end for the rhetoric and for doing it and wasting taxpayers' money are now the same people that want to tell me that because we have a, a crisis at the border, that Biden building the wall is doing the right thing and protecting the country. And you can't have it both ways, people. It's the hypocrisy in politics to me that really has turned me off. And it's also the fact that I don't believe at the end of the day, any of these politicians have my best interest at heart. I think they have the 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 the, the best interests of lobbyists, the best interests of big money, the best interests of corporations. So, you know, I said four years ago, five years ago, if you can get yourself a, a if you can become a lobbyist or you can get by yourself a lobbyist, if, if you're fortunate enough to do that, that's the best way right now to campaign for your issue of choice. And sadly, that's more true now than it's ever been.
And, you know, I think there's a, 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 a section of this Republican Party that senses that, right? Because we were just saying the, the Republican Party asked the Durant Speaker, and it's a, it's a small subset of that party. And they, they smell that blood in the water, exactly what you just said. Is there a politician who's going to do um, what you vote them in office to do? And, and Matt Gates, for, for better or worse, or whether you agree with him or not, thinks that that's what he's doing, right? Um, he thinks that he's acting on behalf of his constituents and, and they what that crowd elected him to do. And if you listen to his rhetoric, he says some of the things actually that you were just saying, like, look, these establishment Republicans up here, McCarthy or whoever it is, um, uh, stand up here and tell you what you want to hear. But then they go right in the back room with the lobbyists. I mean, Matt Gates was up there saying that from the, from the House board. And, you know, I, I think I, I don't know if Matt Gates is the is the messiah or if he's the new generation of politicians that the fourth turning calls for, but he is saying some of the right things and he's scratching at the surface of, of of some of what I think the populace is feeling. So again, for better or worse, or whether you agree with them or not, uh, it's interesting you're watching the fourth turning play out of the real time and he's speaking to those exact things that, that you're talking about. And um, it's, I guess being successful at that, it, I mean. They just ousted the speaker for the first time in history, right? So um, things to play out. And then I guess the last thing I would add is it's good to have that fourth turning context, right? Because you don't have to freak out about everything. You can know that as part of a process that's playing out and you don't have to be tribal or partisan or on edge or anything, right? You can just know that this is part of an extended process that's playing out. And I think that's going to be really important. It's certainly been important for me to have that context So the past couple of years. I, I, I couldn't agree with you more. I feel like I'm seeing a more volatile version of a story that I've seen, you know, many times in my you know, relatively young, relatively young life, right? I'm, I'm, I'm 44. I'll be 45 this month. month. So I'm not old, old, but I know I'm not young, young anymore. Uh, but I've seen this story several times. I remember, you know, um, Rand Paul, right? At, at one point, I really agreed with his approach to politics. Some, you know, a decade or 15 years ago, he was anti, you know, the neocons and then in the war machine, you know, on both sides, he was for fiscal responsibility. He was for all these things. And then he got elected and it was like, oh, fuck all that. <laughs> Give him the money, make it rain on the military industrial complex. Just be my campaign, baby. And I was like, you know what? I'm out of here, man. These guys are a joke. Like, it's just definitely you know. a disappointment relative to his dad, for sure. Yeah, we've all we've all we've all said you you know we've all buttered up the compliment on an extra pretty girl a little much, right? Just 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 we've all come on, <laughs> that, that that's how I look at it. So anyhow, don't get yourself hurt, arrested, killed for these politicians. They don't care about you that much. Um, reach out to your neighbor, have civil disagreements, make your community better. I've said this a hundred times. I'll probably say it a hundred more because it's going to get worse out there before it gets better. Um, back to resource stocks. We've talked a lot about the doom in the resource space, there's actually some good stuff going on. Uranium is holding up really well and the equities are holding up really well. And uh, again, you know, not to, not to pound our chest on this one, but we were positioned beautifully for that. You and your portfolio with different stocks and, 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 and me on the junior resource monthly side, you know, with, with a, a good section of the portfolio dedicated to just uranium stocks. And look for a year during the last consolidation, we had, to to try to guide and navigate the turbulent and boring waters in the uranium space and really express to people that no crystal ball, we don't know when it's going to take off, but when it goes, it goes quickly, right? I talked about this a bit last week. 
it's clear to me now that, you know, the $70 price it isn't going to hold very long. We're headed to 80 and then we're headed to 90. And at 90, it gets interesting because I, then I think the utilities have to come off the sidelines because then it starts getting harder for them to justify to their customer base and their board of directors why these contracts aren't being rolled over and, and secured. And I think the nine, that, that, that 90 and then the utilities coming out is what takes it, you know, over 100. I say all that to say there's still a lot of runway in the uranium space, folks. There's still a lot of money to be made despite a lot of the uranium equities being at 52-week highs because they're coming off a very low baseline. You talked about the, the, the venture exchange and uh, the TSX and, and it being down some 60%, 16% this year. That's off a low baseline. It was down last year too, if I'm not mistaken. If it, 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 it wasn't robust anyhow, right? And so the uranium space, sure, the stocks are hitting 52-week highs. But they're doing it off a low baseline. All of these stocks are, go are, are, are going to double and triple in the next couple of years. The quality names, anyhow. And so I think we've given you plenty of quality names and quality plays that we like. I know subscribers of both our services um, on the longer term services have gotten, you know, a lot of guidance there. But that's a sector that I think will continue to outperform. And, and, and you know, it's, it's good to have a little light um, at the end of the tunnel that's not attached to a trade, right? Yeah, you know, the trees don't grow to the sky, of course. There's going to be corrections, and, and those are healthy along the way. But I, I think what you are seeing is a, is a real deal, a fundamentally driven uh, uranium bull market with buyers back in the mix, as opposed to a, the false start that we saw in uh, 2022. So, you know, I've been seeing some some questions from subscribers talking about essentially trading, you know, are we selling out and, and back in and you know, that's an interesting question. It sort of depends on how you're positioned, how many different positions you have, when you bought those positions. Um, you know, if you're late to the game, I would be using these pullbacks to to build and, and add to your positions. Like, I, I think there's there's still time. If you were extremely early, I mean, I've got positions from 2017 in, in my portfolio where I a couple of hundred percent, you know, tapping a quarter of those positions for whatever reason, portfolio management, uh, Cash position building, paying the bills, whatever, isn't a bad idea when you when you get a a thirty to fifty percent run in a month like we just saw in September. Am I am I ringing the bell? Cashing in my uranium positions? No, I don't think so. Um, I've talked about the chart a lot. You know, when the when the when the when the spot price got up above sixty seven, and it was clearly going to go to above seventy three. There was nothing stopping it, and it got right to seventy three, which is where there's a tiny bit of resistance. It is the poke through there, and once it gets once it pokes through there, it seems like it can stair step to eighty, eighty five, ninety, as you were saying, um, pretty quickly. So uh, I, I do think it's a bright spot. The, the the fundamentals continue to improve. I hate running through them all the time because we know them by now. Um, Germany is turning back on their coal plants because I read this week because they because they shut down their nuclear uh, reactors and can't get through the winter. Right? That was clearly a boneheaded position, and the world sees it. Um, I see countries approving small modular reactor designs, and and I don't see a lot of demand forecasts that include uh, demand from small modular, and that's seemingly come on um, uh, faster than than a lot of people think. And then, and perhaps most importantly, Pano this week and U two pivoted on nuclear energy. Long the opponents they were now are embracing nuclear energy and the climate fight. And um, I only mention that because they are um, so in the headlines this week because of the sphere in Las Vegas that they are now playing their concerts at and, and taking residency up in. So um, if you can get Bono on your side, it's probably not a bad thing. Although 
Uh, he's kind of a bit of a hypocrite if you look at it, powwowing with George W. Bush and, and Tony Blair over the years in the Ohio. Yeah, I'll leave it alone. I'm sure we have a lot of YouTube fans. Um, great band. Uh, they made some great music. Um, again, it's, it's, it's you know, at, there's levels to everything and it's easy to play both sides um, when there's that much money involved. It doesn't make it right, but, it you know, it is what it is. Um, I'm supposed to remind all of you to go to dailyprofitcycle.com forward slash subscribe uh, to get all the, you know, ratings and ravings from me, insights and wit. Um, and charts and opinions from Mr. Nick Hodge and, you know, not just us, but our talented group of editors that opine on everything from the broader economy, the tech sector, the crypto space, you name it, there's a letter, a service, um, and, and, and free commentary for pretty much everything financial universe. So go give that a look, sign up, get it straight in your inbox. Um, tons of good reports in there too, and a lot of new reports to come. So be on the lookout for those Anything to add to that, Mr. Hyde? I was just going to say, we just updated a lot of reports for sure. And, and there's a lot on the way. So uh, lots of new material over a daily profit cycle. And look, um, we sell research as well, as we're pointing out, because I see some people um, lamenting the movement of certain stocks they hear about on the podcast. But if you're a member of the, the paid letters, you certainly hear about that um, long before we discuss them um, publicly and in the podcast. So um, I know we cover a lot here, but but still worth reading the the research that we put out, both um, freemium and paid, as it were. So head on over there and check out the different services as well. Absolutely. What are you watching this week, Mr. Hodge? Well, oh, that's a very interesting question. It's not GDP time yet, but yep. it soon will be. And I guess uh, I didn't get a chance to talk about this, so I will hear. You know, nobody knows what the fuck is going on. If you look at the... Um, the Atlanta Fed GDP estimate for the third quarter, it's up around 5%. And if you look at the St. Louis Fed GDP estimate for the third quarter, it's like 1.6%. Like these are the people who who procure and, and, and curate the data. And they're, um, well, one is over 100% higher on their, their GDP quarterly estimate than the other. And so um, if you're feeling confused out there, don't feel too bad that uh, those that hold the keys to the data don't know what's going on either. We should remind everyone that along with the free podcast and the free commentary at dailyprofitcycle.com and the sponsor-based uh, free content that you get over at Resource Stock Digest and the paid services um, that we manage and, and oversee and write. On top of that, we also hit the conference circuit every now and then. And so both Mr. Hodge and I will be recording Bizarro World live from New Orleans in early November um, we always run into a lot of subscribers up there. We love the dialogue. Please, if you see us, both of us try to be as approachable as humanly possible. Um, come out and come say hello. It's a great conference. The lineup this year is fantastic. Danielle DiMartino Booth, um, Rick Rule, Mr. Jeff Phillips, who rarely makes an appearance on the stage. You know, friend and mentor to the both of us. Um, he'll be on yeah. the stage on a panel. And so... No, look, there's there's a, a host, a host of really, really excellent uh, minds from different fields. Matt Taibbi will be there, you know, a journalist whose work I read and and and, and most times to respect. So, yeah, no, come on out and, and take a peek. It's definitely worth um, the investment in time and, and, and money and effort that it takes to get out there for those four or five days. I'm literally booking my flights after we uh, get done the chorus. Excellent. We'll make sure to put a link up. That's all I got on my end of it. Uh, obviously, I'm going to be watching. Oh, can't let you go. Sorry, Nick. 
Opportunity or breakdown? The energy space. Oil is back down to 84 after being pretty firmly above 90. Um, you talk resistance all the time. You talk the charts. I would love your take on that because that is one that, you know, I always say I'm not an expert in anything, but I'm, I'm, I'm pretty all right at the resource stuff outside of the oil space, right? I'm not a lithium expert. I'm not a battery expert. I'm not a copper expert, but you know, the stock stuff I've been at it for a while. So have you. Um, but oil is the one sector that I, I just stay away from. It's, 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 I don't have an act for it. It does it click for me. What are you seeing in that space? I think it's an opportunity. Um, it, it's going to cause a recession, but it's an opportunity. Um, it's, you know, the <laughs> thing that's going to drive the inflation back higher. And, and we, we essentially haven't got a recession uh, in the past, I think, 14, um, that hasn't been, you know, uh, predated or predecessed by a rise in oil prices. And so, um, yeah, they're reinflating. Uh, pullbacks are to be bought for now, and there's still opportunity there. And um, that private company that's not public is is drilling away. It was up 20% today. I wonder if they see some of the good coming out of those wells. Mm. Do we want to talk about that company? Nah, we'll leave no, it we talked about it a couple of weeks ago. I think we can let it stew. Well, let it stew. That's it. That's all I got, yeah. everybody. Listen, have a great week. We will see you all next week. I'll be watching for Patriot News, of course. I think we're more than due. Um, I am Gerardo Del Real, along with my co-host, friend, colleague, Mr. Nick Hodge. This was episode 239 of our weekly therapy session that we like to call Investing in Bizarro World. Mr. Hodge, send us off with some words of wisdom. No, um, adios familia, that's it. Hey there, you independent-minded investor. If you like this video, make sure to tell us so by clicking the like button below. Subscribe to our channel so you never miss another one. And share it with everyone you know on social media. You can also click the link in the description below to check out more information-packed videos just like this one. Thanks for watching.